0: We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man. Men from Moto digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellects vast, cool, and unsympathetic broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Manor Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We're the men from Moto, and you're listening to episode 84, Signaling Porpoises. My name is David Saville, and I have Travis Sowers on the line with me again this week. How are you, sir? I am wonderful. How are you, David? I am great. Are you less grumpy today? Yeah, I was pretty grumpy yesterday, dude. Oh! Not going to lie. Anytime I come on your, your stream around noon my time uh, and I see you playing PUBG, I, I knew that it wasn't a good day.
1: Yeah. So there's this hurricane coming to the East Coast, right?
0: Oh, yeah. How and, are you, by the way? Is that is that fine? Are you getting rained on yet?
1: We're We're fine. There's no rain yet. There's not going to be anything more than any rain here. But if you look at the exact spot where it's going to impact land, that's where I grew up. So, like, my hometown is getting hit with this, and I have a bunch of buddies there and family there, and, like, some of them aren't leaving. So that was frustrating, and I stayed up late being worried about it, which led to me not getting enough sleep, which led to me streaming with not enough sleep and playing Cube while I'm tired, and it just created this, oh, my God, I'm having an awful day, I'm going to stop and take a nap sort of momentum. But today, completely over it, I've, you know, talked to everybody, said my piece, everybody that's smart has left, and we'll see if my dumb friends survive um, and, uh, had a good stream, played some cube. I played arrivals of Ixalan draft today by
0: choice and enjoyed it. Ooh. Yeah. Go are you it. sure you're, are you sure you're not, o uh, not okay there? Like that doesn't sound very good.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to grind it all day long, but I think a couple of day isn't going to kill me. It was actually kind of fun. I had a, a sweet blue black pirates deck splashing for a jungle creeper. That seems about
0: par for the course. I would say for that set. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what do you have on tap for us this week? You've been kind of the champion of topics lately. What uh, what have you pulled out of your hat this week?
1: So I, I think I've got one that'll be interesting here. We talk a lot about signaling during draft and how to read a signal, which I think is an important thing. We did an episode with Ray. It was kind of the extra half episode, uh, which is still up on my Twitch VODs if anybody is interested in seeing that, about sending a signal. But I really wanted to dial in today about reading a signal. So one thing that I used to love that Limited Resources would do uh, pretty consistently was the crack of drafts, where you know, somebody would set up all of these draft packs for Marshall to draft for, and the idea was to figure out exactly what deck they were supposed to be in or whatever. That's actually what we're going to do today, but it's for a completely different purpose. I want Dave to go... Th- so I've set up these packs. I took eight packs of Dominaria... And set on the living room floor and drafted by myself to get everything set up. Um, And I want him to tell me what the person that's passing to him, what color or colors they're in, as close as he can get. So while he's going through this, he's not just trying to draft the best deck, which is level one. He's also trying to figure out what colors are not open. What should I get out of? What should I get into? What is my neighbor letting me know? So, like, these are the things I, I want to go through his mind as he's making these picks. And then if he's successful at it, that means that I was successful on sending the signal. And I can also talk about what my first picks were in that seat and kind of how I navigated that draft. So I, I think this will actually be pretty entertaining. And I, I kind of just want to dive into it and get going. Um, how you feel about that, Mr. Seville?
0: I've got my notepad here. I'm going to start taking notes as we go.
1: Okay. So I, uh, to do this, I just grabbed eight physical boosters of Dominaria packs, which I had laying on the uh, coffee table. So it was pretty easy to crack them open and getting going. For the purposes, excuse me, for the purposes of this discussion, your pack one pick one was a relatively bad pack and you picked a Skittering Surveyor. Sounds great. Stay open. So, like, that's happened plenty of times in Dominaria. That's believable, right? Mm hmm. Okay. Because uh, I, I, I don't want you to have an incentive to stick to one color or the other. I want you to really try to read the signals here. So I'm going to read through this pack. You tell me what you pick. I'll set your pick aside and then still keep the cards together. So just thumbing through the commons, we've got De Advent Trapper. It's two and a white for a 3-2 when you cast a Historic Spell tar- Tap target creature and opponent controls. We've got a Cold Water Snapper, five and a blue for a 4-5 Hexproof. Fervent Strike, red for an instant, target creature gets plus one, plus oh first strike and haste. Soul Salvage, two and a black sorcery, return two target creatures from your graveyard to your hand. Pider Mammoth Spider, four and a green for a three five reach. Ancient Animus, one and a green for an instant, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control if it's legendary, then it fights target creature and opponent controls. Power Stone Shard, 3 for an artifact, tap for a colorless for each artifact you control named Power Stone Shard. Unwind, 2 and a blue for an instant, counter target non-creature spell, untap up to 3 lands. Deathbloom Thalid, 2 and a black for a 3-2, when it dies you get a 1-1 sapling. Fire Fist Adept, 4 to red for a 3-3 human wizard. When it enters the battlefield, it deals X damage to target creature and opponent controls where X is the number of wizards you control. Sage of Latinam, one in a blue for a one-two. Tap, sack an artifact to draw a card. So we're in the uncommons now, right? We, we are now in the uncommons, yes, with the Firefist adept at the sage. And the Juggernaut. Four for a five-three. Artifact creature attacks each combat if able. Cannot be blocked by walls. And there's a rare in the pack kazarov five black black for a four four flyer whenever a creature an opponent controls is dealt damage put a plus one plus one counter on kazarov uh three and a red tap it
0: it deals two damage to target creature oh that's kind of a weak pack isn't it it's not amazing it's not amazing what what can you tell
1: already having been past this there were
0: there's There's... an
1: uncommon missing and that's all nope uh, Firefist Adept, Sage of Latin Am, Juggernaut. That's three
0: uncommons. Firefist Adept is a rare? It's oh. an uncommon. Or sorry, an uncommon? Firefist Adept was the one that... Remind me which one that one is again.
1: Four in a red, 3-3, three, three, Human Wizard, when it enters the oh, battlefield, yeah. X damage, yeah.
0: Yeah, sorry, I got it mixed up with the 3-2, the Journey Mage. Yeah. So there's okay. a common missing. So there's a common missing. Um... So, a common missing, I think, usually signals to me that it's a piece of removal that's missing. Um, so, I think to myself, what is the... because And, and the reason for that is, is because commons are... Um, usually, the only commons you're taking over, like, decent uncommons and rares are removal spells. Um, but in this pack, the uncommons and rares aren't close to first pickable either. Um but it just kind of feels to me like a removal is missing out of this pack. I guess it could be a foil. Am I right on that one? Or does a foil take the landslot? I always forget this.
1: I can never remember. I never I remember either. i so... too much, I don't know. I mean, they could exactly. have also taken a skittering surveyor, similar to
0: what you did. <laughs> sure, it could have been a surveyor. Um, I don't think that's the case. So, yeah, so it could be skitterer or a removal. But either way, there's not enough information here to know for sure, right? Um, generally speaking, the the commons are pretty evenly spread out when it comes to colors, um, but I don't think that you can you can bank on that. Um, but of note, there's only the one white card in this pack, so you know if I had to guess and put money on it, I'd guess that it was a luminous Bonds. But I think that that is like a a very you know hard bet to make um, and be right on. But that would be my guess. If I had to pick a card for sure, otherwise I think it's just removal in general. So like luminous bonds, Evistrate. blessed light. It couldn't. It couldn't. Could be, be luminous. There's... It can't be luminous bonds. It's not in the set. Oh my god! See, this is my problem. Is I've been drafting too much M nineteen. Yeah. And mixing it with dominaria, so I think that this might be a bad <laughs> exercise for me. So it could be blessed light. I apologize what's the enchant oh the seal away that's what i'm thinking of that's the uncommon okay i'm gonna do that a lot is i'm gonna get m19 mixed up with dominaria because i've been doing that all week on stream i'm like hey my opponent has a trumpet blast here and my chat's like trumpet blast isn't in this set i'm like oh um they could have plus three plus three is that a thing in this set yeah okay all right so my bet is removal um eviscerate or uh the five mana exile Uh, If not, I mean, it really could be anything. Surveyor. It could be uh, decent. Like, it could be Call the Cavalry, something like that, because there's a white card missing. So, not enough info here, but I've got a little bit of info to go on. Okay. What card do you like? I don't like any of these. You got to pick one. I know I got to pick one. Time's ticking down. I probably look at the Deathbloom Thalid because it's most consistent, and I like black. Um, juggernaut's interesting too, because it's colorless, but I am, I've never been a fan of him in this format. Kazorov is also interesting. Um, you know, it locks you into black red and I don't think I like going into black red for that specific card. So I think I take death bloom Thalid, hoping to wheel like soul salvage out of this pack or, or, maybe even snapper.
1: Okay. I can respect that pick. I'm going to set your death bloom Thalid aside and we're going to go to pack two. Okay. We have Tolarian scholar two and a blue for mm-hmm. eight, two, three. Radiating Lightning, three in a red for an instant, three damage to target player, one damage to their creatures. Mm-hmm. Adamant Will, one in a white for an instant, target creature gets plus two, plus two, and gains indestructible. Mm-hmm. Vidalian Arcanist, one in a blue for a one three, tap for colorless mana, can only spend it on instants and sorceries. Mm-hmm. Dark Bargain, three in a black for an instant, look at the top three cards of your library. Put two of them into your hand, the others in the other one into your graveyard, take two damage. Lanawar Scout, one in red for a one-three. You may put a land card from your hand on the battlefield with tap. Fungal infection, uh, black for an instant, target creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn, make a Sapperling. Tragic Poet, White for a 1 1, Sack it, return target enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand. Yavamaya Sapherd. 2 and a green for a 2-2, comes with a sapperling friend. Pardic Wanderer, 6 for a 5-5 trample. Knight of Malice, 1 and a black for a 2-2, first strike hexproof from white, gets plus 1 plus 0 as long as any player controls a white permanent. And board the Weatherlight, 1 and a white for a sorcery, look at the top 5 cards of your library, reveal a historic card, put it into your hand, put
0: the rest on the bottom Okay, so there's two uncommons missing out of this pack. There's a rare and one uncommon. Oh, sorry. Okay, yes, my bad. Board the Weatherlight is an uncommon. Yes. Um. Okay, my pick is the Knight of Malice. It goes with the Deathbloom Falad, and I think it's easily the most powerful card out of this pack. Fungal Infection is interesting too. Um Malice being here is so there's a rare and uncommon missing out of this pack. It's tough for me to think of uncommons that are more powerful than malice um in mono colors if that makes sense um so unless my opponent took something like a slimefoot or a garna or um some other black based multicolor card um this is maybe potentially early signs that my opponent is not taking black um but really, there's not much else that I can see out of here because the commons are pretty uninspiring, um, and obviously we don't know what the rare could be. So when you're looking at a pack, um, you know generally the colors, like I said, seem to be pretty split amongst the commons, uncommons, and wild, or in the and the rares are kind of more of a wild card because you can't really read that. Yeah. Um, but malice being here is is kind of a good sign, I think, for the black train, and I'm definitely taking it here. Um, but not a ton of information otherwise. I think we're going to start to see more information in the next pack.
1: All right. I think that is a very defensible pick. Yeah, two people passed that night of malice. So exactly. that's interesting. All right. Pack three. Yeah. I think this gets a little more interesting here. Okay. We have a Vidalion Arcanist. One in the blue for one, three tap for colorless. We had that. We have a radiant lightning. We just saw that. We have a dad trapper. We saw that earlier. We have a Cabal Paladin, three and a black for a 4-2 when you cast a historic spell, two damage to each opponent. We have Adventurous Impulse, green for a sorcery, look at the top three cards of your library, reveal a creature or land, put it in your hand, rest on the bottom. We have an Academy Drake, two and a blue for a 2-2. Flyer uh, also has kicker four if it was kicked, it gets two counters. Demonic Vigor, black for an enchant aura, enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one. When it dies, return it to its owner's hand. A Power Stone Shard, Call the Cavalry, 3 and a White for a Sorcery, make two 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 White Knight creature tokens with Vigilance. Uh, Moving to Uncommons, we have the Flame of Keld, 1 in Red for a Saga, Chapter 1, Discard Your Hand, Chapter 2, Draw 2 Cards, Chapter 3, If a Red Source you control would deal damage to a permanent or player this turn, it deals 2 extra damage. And we have Tiana Ship's Caretaker, three red-white for a 3-3 flying first strike. Uh, If an aura or equipment you control is put into the graveyard from the battlefield, you may return it to your
0: hand. So rare, uncommon, and a common are all missing. Let's see here. So when I look at this pack, I see, again, not a ton of information, except that call of the cavalry is still here Mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting to me because i think that um again i like i think that's probably higher up the chain on when it comes to commons that you could take beaten out by a lot of removal spells and things like that obviously um flame of kell doesn't give us a lot of information here tiana also doesn't give us a lot of information here and the rare missing doesn't give us a lot of information here so of note um the black cards that we're seeing are not great. Um, and I think, I think that there's probably not three black cards in this pack when it comes to common. So it doesn't feel like somebody took an eviscerate out of this pack. So, and let's look at the, now print runs are a thing, right? They, so they are, we had our
1: and radiant lightning in two packs in a row.
0: We did. Um, so it's possible that somebody took like an adamant wheel out of this pack I don't really have all the pack runs memorized and I don't know if they apply to arena, but they definitely apply to physical packs and they definitely apply to magic online. So if you draft enough of a format, sometimes you can start to pick up these patterns, specifically in the uncommons I find because it's easier to memorize these patterns of three cards. Yes. For example, Sarah Angel and Icy Manipulator are quite often best friends in the pack. Exactly. So if you see an uncommon missing and there's a Sarah Angel still there, you know odds go up that you're opponent or your neighbor took an icy manipulator here um my pick so there's a trapper and a call Mm -hmm. and there's and the black cards are bad the blue cards there's a drake here as well which is interesting so it kind of feels like my neighbor is picking up red cards and the reason is is because i haven't seen like red removal in any capacity here so we, in the first pack, we saw uh, the first strike trick. Uh, and we saw an uncommon wizard, the, the, the 3-3. In the second pack, we saw Radiant Lightning, which isn't really early pickable in a lot of people's kind of lists. And then in this pack, we saw Radiant Lightning, and that's about it. So it kind of feels to me like our neighbor has picked up maybe a good red rare, um, a good red uncommon, and maybe took, like... Uh, what's the five mana removal spell here? The modal spell. Fiery Intervention. Yeah, maybe that. Maybe they took a Fiery Intervention out of this pack or something like that. So that's kind of my read here. Um, my pick is probably Call the Cavalry. Because I think it goes best with what I have so far. Maybe we get, like, a Black White Knight theme going. Um, maybe we can open up an aerial or something like that or get it passed to us. Okay. And I'm just making note here of the trappers in this pack as well so we're passing a trapper which is you know it's not great because that won't come back around um and i don't mind having having a trapper in most of my white decks i think it's fine but um we're not really passing any other signals here like the black that we're passing doesn't really impact anybody like they're not really going in anybody's deck most of the time so i'm i'm pretty okay with that here and i'm just looking the drake is interesting here too because i think that i wouldn't mind picking up the drake Actually, I'm pretty split between call the cavalry and the drake.
1: Yeah, those are the two that would have me as well, mm. with some nod towards you know Tiana's
0: good enough that I'll speculate on this. Yeah, but she's not yeah. that good. She's not she's not that good to go into two colors after I've already picked two colors. Do you know what I mean? Or like two two black cards? I think. Yeah. So like, man, I, I really like Drake. I've I've been playing Drake a lot in arena 2 over call, but I think I'm gonna go call the cavalry. Although, if I look back at pack one... See, this is interesting because I have all this information in front of me. But in the in the heat of the moment, I'm taking call. If I think about it and go back, and I think that white has been picked by somebody, by my neighbor specifically, so like maybe they are white-red, um, because I didn't get a white removal spell in pack one, let's say, then Drake is probably a better pick here. But I'm going to take the call of the cavalry, and we'll see what happens.
1: Okay, okay. All right, so this is actually... We've done... What pack are we on?
0: Um... This so is we've pack done three. five. This is pack five, but we've done three of these picks, and my first pick was the, the surveyor. surveyor. Okay. So we've got first up Adam at Will. Next up, a card I'm going to
1: read the entirety of because I know you're not too familiar with this one. It's OPT. I'm not mm. quite sure how to pronounce it. Um but That's, it's blue. I think you've mis- mispronounced it. It's OPT. OPT. Okay, mm. it's blue for an instant. Scry one, draw a card. Okay, so uh, blue's open. Gift of Growth, one in a green for an instant. Untapped target creature, it gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. Has Kicker for two, in which case it gets plus four, plus four. Dark Bargain. Seismic Shift, three in a red for a sorcery. Destroy target, land. Two target creatures can't block. Cabal Evangel, one in a black for a two, two. Primordial Worm, four green, green for a seven, six. Navigator's Compass. Uh, colorless for an artifact. When it comes into the battlefield, you gain three life. Tap it until end of turn. Target land you control. Becomes the basic land type of your choice in addition to its other types. Uh, and then two uncommons. Champion of the Flame. One in red for a 1-1 one, one trample. Gets plus two, plus two for each aura or and or equipment attached to it. And final parting. Three black black for a sorcery. Search your library for two cards. Put one in your hand, the other in your graveyard. Then shuffle
0: yeah so the the red is pretty thin here, like we're on the dregs of red um, and the black is not getting picked, but the black is also bad. Um, so I, I think I think my initial read here is that that red is being taken by somebody, one of our neighbors, um, and black is not being taken, but mostly because it's just not good um because there's a lot of black still in the pack, and I don't think any of them are really playable at least this early in the pack. Um, Adamant Will being here and being the only white card, um, I mean, this is, this is, this has gone through a couple of players, so it's possible that somebody's picked up a white card already, um, or very likely that somebody's picked up a white card already. Um, so, you know, one of our neighbors is in white, but I don't think our immediate neighbor is necessarily in white. And green is also pretty weak here, and there's only the one blue card here is opt, So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the Adamant Will. I don't mind having a decent combat trick. Um, But this is a pretty thin pack overall. Uh, But it has given me some information, right? Mm -hmm. I think for sure. And, um, you know, just filling in the pack in my head, right? Like there could have been like an Eviscerate in this pack, let's say. And then like the Uncommon is probably some kind of gold legend. Because there's no legend in this pack either, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah, so the uncommon was probably a legend or something like that that we don't really have any information on. Interesting. Okay, any thought to dark bargain, or is it just too early to take those? I mean, I think that I can get one at any time is kind of what it feels like. Like we passed one early. Yeah, um, I want to say like pick uh, pick three. So, you know, I th- I think that if 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 our immediate neighbors aren't in black, um, and the black has been kind of this week, that uh, that I should be able to get one later. So, and I really only want one okay okay but I mean I I definitely don't fault anybody if you don't think white is open then go for the dark bargain I think yeah
1: and that would be my argument too is I feel like the the two black cards you have are enough to stick but i I, I think you can make a case for either of them
0: mm-hmm.
1: next pack we have excavation elephant four and a white for a three five kicker one and a white if you kicked it you get an artifact from your graveyard to your hand mm-hmm Hamarid Explorer, three and a blue for a 3-3 three, three when it enters the battlefield, uh, mill four. Get to Lava Runner, red for a 1-2. Uh, it gets haste and plus one, plus O oh, as long as you
0: have two instant or sorceries in your graveyard. Funny story about Lava Runner. I lost to a deck on Arena the other day that had four of them. Wow. How? Mm-hmm. Uh, they were mono red and they played four Lava Runners early in the game.
1: Okay. Yeah, I could see that doing some work. <laughs> uh, they've been playing too much constructed. <laughs> exactly. Sarah Disciple, this is 1 and a white for a 1-1 Flying First Strike. When you cast a Historic Spell, it gets plus 1, plus 1. Windgrace Acolyte, 4 in a black for a Flying Cat Warrior, 3-2. When it enters the battlefield, mill 3, gain 3. Arbor Armament, green for an instant. Put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on target creature. It gains reach until end of turn. Guardians of Koilos. 5 for a 4-4. When it enters the battlefield, you may return another target, Historic Permanent, to its owner's hand. Urza's Tome. 2 for an Artifact. 3, tap it, draw a card, then discard a card unless you exile an Historic card from your graveyard. And Sorcerer's Wand. Uh, 1 for an Equipment. Equipped creature has tap, deal 1 damage to target player or planeswalker. If it's a Wizard,
0: it deals 2 damage instead. Equip 3 uh yeah so there's a couple of white commons in here that aren't great um which you know might be good for our white coming back the other way because well not the other way but like just later in the draft because you know our neighbors are maybe hopefully not getting white and they're passing us the junk uh wind accolade is my pick here i think it's pretty solid in black and it's the only black card here we've basically cut black off of our neighbor uh entirely after we take this card and we've really only passed a couple of dark bargains and a couple of, you know, mediocre creatures, I would say. So I think that's my pick here. It goes well with the cards that I have in that it's just on curve. Um and I'm hoping to pick up some black removal in basically pack two at this point, or white removal, or really anything. I don't have to play white at this point. Yeah. Um ag- again, no red, no green. Blue is interesting here because a Homered Explorer is like not pickable, but if if you're if you don't have a second color and you get a Homered, you might just take it just to stay on color here. Um, so like our neighbor probably has solidified, or one of our neighbors is probably solidified in two colors, so they think. And they're not just like mono blue, because I think the Homered wouldn't have made it this far if that was the case. Um And then you got a bunch of artifacts that don't really do anything. So again, not really um giving us any indications here. No legend, again. Um so that could be something that tells us that our neighbor has picked up a double, like two colors or three colors or something like that, and um, trying to find their lane as well here. But yeah, definitely red. I think is what our neighbor is in, and still trying to figure out if they are. Doesn't appear that they're white, necessarily. Um, but I think red for sure. Okay. So we've okay. got for
1: you Knight of Malice, Death Bloom, Thalid, Wind Grace, Acolyte, Adam at Will, and Call the Cavalry. That is correct. All right. Next pack, we've got three left. Charge, white for an instant, creatures you control get plus one plus one until end of turn. Arcane Flight, blue for an enchant creature, enchanted creature gets plus one plus one and has flying. Wind Grace Acolyte. Uh, we just talked about that. Five mana, three, two flyer. Pierce this guy, one and a green for an instant, seven damage to target creature with flying. Jousting Lance, Two for an equipment, equipped creature gets plus two plus oh, as long as it's your turn it has first strike, equip three. Run amok, one in a red for an instant, target attacking creature gets plus three plus three and gains trample. Blood tallow candle, one for an artifact, six tap and sack, gives something minus five, minus five until end of turn, and wizard's retort, one blue blue for an instant, uh, costs one less if you control a wizard, counter target spell.
0: um one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. so looking at this one obviously there's a wind grace accolade here as well i mean there's not much else there's kind of something of everything except again red there's just run amok. um wizard's retort is interesting i don't think that this is a card that blue the blue player is taking highly usually um so it doesn't necessarily indicate that our neighbors aren't in blue Um, but everything else here is, is kind of just whatever. I'm probably in on the Jousting Lance because I think I want one of those in most of my decks that have creatures. Candle is interesting here as well because I think I have no removal. Um, and if I have to play a candle, then I will play a candle. But Jousting Lance is kind of like removal because you put it on a creature and your opponent starts having to block it at some point. So it's just really slow removal. Um, I think that's what I'm taking. It keeps me open. Again, I don't have to play white. Um... But um, it's interesting to me that nobody else has taken the jousting lance yet at this point. Um, I don't usually see them this late. And then just the accolade being here just kind of indicates to me that black is definitely a color that we want to be in. Um, and still trying to figure out exactly what our neighbors are in. But probably not mono blue because I think if they're mono blue, they take the retort. Definitely not black. Um and then the rest of the stuff here is easily passable, so it's tough to tell. But I still think it's some kind some kind of combination of maybe red-blue or red-green. Potentially red-white, or maybe they started red-white and switched into something else because they weren't getting past the things.
1: All right. Two more packs to go. We have okay. a Fervent Strike. Sarah Disciple. Hamarid Explorer. Pierce this guy.
0: did Sorry, the na- what was card three there? Sorry,
1: my bad. Uh, Hamarid Explorer. hmm Then Pierce the Sky. Divination. Two and a blue sorcery. Draw two cards. Short Sword. Uh, one for an equipment. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one. Equip one. And Sanctum Spirit. Three and a white for a 3-2 lifelink. Discard a historic card. It gains
0: indestructible until end of turn. That's really too bad that guy got the short end of the stick in this set. He really looked like he was going to be decent. I thought he was. Yeah. Um, I'm not interested as in the spirit here. Um, and it, I don't think... It, I mean, it might indicate that our neighbor's not white, because if they're white-red, they probably take the spirit. The divination here, I think, is pretty late. And I think if our neighbor is any sniff of blue, they probably take the divination. And there's two blue cards left in this pack. So we saw a drake earlier when i took the call to cavalry Mm -hmm. and so this might be an indication to me that i can kind of sneak into blue here um although in pack two we might not get any blue at all because we've been i guess we haven't really passed all that much that's good in blue so i think i might speculate on the divination here because i really don't care about any of this other stuff like spirit's fine but i'm not really gonna ever get to to go off with the indestructible clause on this thing i don't think um and Disciple's pretty whatever. So I don't think I'm passing anything. Like, I'm not passing up anything if I take the Divination here and, and speculate and maybe don't play this call, the Cavalry and Adamant will. Okay, fair enough. I like the Spirit better than you do, but that's defensible. Mm-hmm. All right,
1: and one last pack for us to go through, because it's it's kind of getting uninteresting past this one anyway. Um, we have an Excavation Elephant, Artificer's Assistant, Blue for a 1-1 Flyer, uh, when you cast a Historic Spell, Scry 1. Drudge Sentinel, 2 and a black for a two one three tap it. It gains Indestructible until end of turn. Aether Glider, 3 for a 2-1 Flyer that can't block. Memorial to War, enters the battlefield tapped. Tap for red. 4 in red, tap it, sack it, destroy target land. And a Thran Temporal Gateway, 4 for a Legendary Artifact. 4 tap it, put an Historic card from your hand onto the
0: battlefield. Yeah, none of these things really matter. Um, I mean, I might take the the glider if I think that I end up like blue-black with some with some flyers. Maybe it uh, pecks in for a couple points of damage. Um, elephant's pretty whatever. So I think I take the glider because I don't necessarily... I'm not even going to play the elephant if I take it and end up white anyway. So I could just take the glider and probably don't play it. But there's a chance that I do. Okay. Fair enough. So we've got your picks here. They were Hmm. uh, Deathbloom Thalad,
1: Knight of Malice, Call the Cavalry, Adamant Will, Windgrace Acolyte, Jousting Lance, Divination, and Glider. I didn't agree too much with your last two picks. I think I would have taken the Spirit and the Elephant. Hmm. I feel kind of like about Divination the same way you did about Dark Bargain, uh, and that I can find one later if I want it. Um, Looking at what you passed, like Kazarov, the Firefist Adept... Mm-hmm. Mammoth spider, then going back into the next pack. I think that one was the one with the drake. Yeah, drake fungal infection and a sap herd. No, that wasn't the one with the drake. That was the one with just the fungal infection, and the sap herd. The next one had the drake.
0: Yes. Yeah, so I, when the drake came by, I passed. I took all the cavalry and passed yeah. the drake out of that pack, and not much else. I guess I passed the trapper as well. Antiana, Antiana, if you want to count that. Yeah. So. I definitely it definitely feels like the person beside me is like red green or if not the person beside me the person immediately next to them is is like red probably green I didn't see a ton of green um, we saw this this half early and we saw a spider but that's about it definitely not black because we saw two windgrace acolytes and the knight of malice early which I think and we saw fungal infection in that same pack as well um, I guess I mean that's that's not really a signal um, to say that there's a fungal infection in the same pack as Malice, Knight of Malice. Um, so I, feel-
1: it's a little bit of a signal. Two decent black cards came through.
0: Yeah, but there is a rare missing. Yeah. Right. So so I don't think that that's as much of a signal. Like fungal infection is is good, but I don't think you're taking it over a bunch of rares. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, basically, what. When I look at that pack, the fact that Malice is there means a lot more than the fact that Fungal Infection is there is kind of where I'm going with that. Sure, sure. Um, it, it's really tough. Like, Are all Dominaria packs like this, Like, where they just get like really thin around pick 6, pick 7, it kind of feels like?
1: Yeah, you have to start looking for fringe playables, which is where that elephant comes in, to like, mm-hmm. maybe I'm going to put this in, not because I'm planning to kick it or do artifact shenanigans, just because the 3-5 act's actually pretty good. Like yeah, that's the, fair. The Spider is a 3-5. Now, I realize it has reach, but like a lot of the times you're just like, cool, I can now block these four-fours on the ground. Uh, so I, I end up playing it some. So you have to scrape a little bit. But I, mm-hmm. I figure out of each pack I get about six really good cards that I'm happy to play. And then I'm, I'm going to have to scrape for those last five.
0: And that's kind of where I'm at, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm at six good cards here. Like, if I end up playing white, I'm pretty happy. If I end up playing blue... I mean, I don't know. I just have a Divination. So, yeah. So that's where I'm at here. So I think I did a good job of cutting off the decent black cards going to my neighbor. Although I did pass a Kazarov. It doesn't necessarily make everybody's deck. Yeah. Um, And really, aside from the Fungal Infection, I don't think I passed much else for good black going that way. I mean, if you can can count Dark Bargain. Um, But again, like, people aren't going to play two Dark Bargains. So... Yep. My neighbor might have picked up the first one and then passed the second one anyway. So, um, so I think I'm okay. It'd be interesting to see if anything wheeled. Um Obviously, we're not going to do that here. But like if Soul Salvage came all the way back around, I'd be very happy. And then I kind of know for sure that um, at least my immediate neighbors aren't in black. Fair enough. So all right. I, I'm still up, still open to my second color.
1: Now, the purpose of this exercise was for you to guess what color these cards are. So, yes. put your money down. What did I draft?
0: Uh, I think my immediate neighbor took a white or red removal spell in pack one. And ended up in hedging between red-white, but then ended up in red-green. All right. Allow me to read you my picks. Okay.
1: Pack one, pick one was shiv and fire.
0: There red f-
1: for an instant, two damage to target creature. Kicker 4, if it was kicked, it deals 4 damage instead. Pick 2, uncommon, Wizard's Lightning. 2 and a red for an instant, 3 damage to any target. Uh, Costs 2 less if you control a Wizard. Pick 3, Skizzic. 3 and a red for a 5-3 Trample Haste. You can kick it for 1. If you don't, you have to sack it. Pick 4, somewhat unexciting, get to Journey Mage. 2 and a red for a 3-2 when it enters the battlefield. If you control another wizard, it deals 2 damage to each opponent. Pick 5, Halar, the Fire Fletcher. 1 red-green for a 3-3 Trample. Whenever you cast a spell, if that spell was kicked, put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on Halar. It then deals damage equal to the number of plus 1, plus 1 counters to it on each opponent. Pick 6, Ancient Animus. 1 and a green for an instant. Put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on target creature. If it's legendary, then it fights. Next, Mesa Unicorn, one and a white for a 2-2 lifelink. And lastly, Rampaging Cyclops, three in red for a 4-4, gets negative two, negative oh, if two or more creatures are blocking it. You read that perfectly. You said I was he- in
0: red, hedging between green and white, and that's exactly where I was. How did you know? How did I know? So when whenever I'm looking at packs, especially the commons, is like I said, is like you can usually see a pretty even number of each color in when you're opening a pack. So what they call that is they call that the as fan, which means that as you're fanning out the cards, you see an even spread. So if somebody says, you know, the as fan of the number of dragons in a, in a pack of whatever is two, that means on average, you're going to see two dragons when you open up a pack. So what you can see is if, if you sort all the cards by color, specifically commons, uncommons and rares don't necessarily follow the same pattern, but you should see an even split between them, give or take. And artifacts will mess that up here as well. But basically, if, if you get a pack passed to you and there's a bad red card, and all the other cards, all the other colors are kind of accounted for, that kind of immediately indicates to you, usually, that somebody took a good card in that color, right? So in that first pack, I think it was between white and red. And without all the ex- extra information, you just kind of have to Guess at that point, right? Is you're like guessing, okay, is it red or is it white? It doesn't matter because you're going to get more information as you get past. So, what you end up building is like this little decision tree, and it starts as like 50% red, 50% white. And then you see the next pack, and again in that pack, I think, what did I not see in that pack? I'm just looking at it now. There's radiating lightning and nothing else that was red, which is really strange to me, right? That there's only one red card left in this pack, and there was. Adamant will that was still here, tragic poet which was still here, uh, and aboard the Le- weatherlight which is also a white card which is still there. So you look at that and you're kind of saying to yourself, okay, there's a real shortage on red cards here, even though the white cards aren't necessarily great. Like you're not going to first pick those white cards. um You know that that doesn't mean you know when, when they pass you three white cards, basically they saying they're not taking any white cards out of this pack. Is is what it says. Um, Now, obviously the rare could be there and, and not all packs kind of fall this way, but you kind of start building this base of information. Now, when I'm doing it on stream or when I'm doing it in paper, I, I'm not writing this stuff down. I don't have notes that I can go back here and look at, which is kind of what I have here in front of me right now. Like I wrote down every single card here, but what I am doing is I'm making mental notes of all of these things. And it's like, huh, that's interesting. There's no red cards here. Or Huh? That's interesting. Like there's no removal in this pack. And then you can kind of start to to do that, you know, as you get practice, you start doing that over time, and you can boil that down to just the key pieces of information and make mental notes of that. So when you get to pick four, pick five, and you see that, like, black piece of removal, like a vicious offering or something like that, you're like, oh, snap, if I think back, you know, there's a bunch of bad black cards that have been passed to me already. My opponent's not going to be taking black because they passed me a bunch of black cards now. This vicious offering means that this is probably open. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just have to be making those little mental checks as you're going through. So I think this is a really interesting exercise, but obviously we took it to the extreme. Like you're not going to have all this information all the time, but it's good practice. And you'll find yourself just kind of seeing these patterns kind of play out. And sometimes what I do in paper is I will shuffle the cards so that they're all grouped together by color. And when you're at like a regular like Friday night draft and you have enough time to do that, it kind of works out but immediately immediately you'll start to see where those shortfalls are, right? You'll Mm -hmm. see that there's no red cards or there's no white cards in this pack. So, um, and, you know, my shortcut of like, there's usually removal in a pack also kind of helps with this too. Like that's not always the case, but, you know, generally speaking, if somebody's first picking a comment out of a pack, I just like to assume that it's removal because I'd say nine times out of 10, it probably is. Mm -hmm. So, and it's interesting because I think the person beside the person that was passing to me, Probably felt like they might have got into green a little late, potentially. Um, but they are probably like I want to say maybe like white green or white blue. They're definitely not like a white black, and they might be hedging between like three colors at this point.
1: I didn't get deep enough with them to know for sure, but they opened a Zahid and then second picked another blue card. I can't remember what it was. And there was mm-hmm. a green-black drafter uh, on their other side. And then the other ones were just too early to really tell because I didn't get deep enough into the the packs to go through for them. Uh, but yeah. we had somebody definitely settled into green-black, then a blue open, then me kind of red open, and then you hear... Mm-hmm. And like, one of the, the ways that I was drafting this initially, and again, I I did this relatively quickly on the living room floor, but if I can, I like to try to stick into one color if I've got a reason to do that. So, Shiv and Fire into Wizard's Lightning into Skizik seemed reasonable. That next pack didn't have a lot to pull me into another color, which is why I took the Journey Mage. And then when I saw the Halara that late, I said, okay, let's let's buckle in. Right. right. Uh, then the Ancient Animus, then no good green, so I took the Unicorn, and then a Cyclops. So like at that point, I'm like, okay, at least I can play red. I've got five good red cards out of this pack, and then either Halar or the Unicorn for which direction I go into. So what I'm hoping for in my spot, if, if I can pull it off, is to kind of figure out which of those two colors is going to be open in the other direction. So I'm going to be looking for Dave to pass me cards to let me know whether I should get into green or white. Since he has an interest in white, he's probably going to send me the green ones, and then I'm going to build a deck uh, around Halar and some kickers and kind of have the green-red kicker thing going. Now, you were in a position where you really couldn't stick one color because of the way the packs broke, but I think you did a good enough job sending the signals that you can probably play black-white. I think it might have been better if you'd taken one of those dark bargains over the divination. Yeah. but uh, other other than that, like I I think you're going to be set up in a good spot, and so am I.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that if I if I took the spirit, I'm in a I'm in a good black white spot for sure. I'm kind of hedging my bets here, um, and then the elephant over the glider. But like I think there's a good chance that I could wheel an elephant here as well out of like yeah. the next six to seven picks in pack one, and and be okay with that. And I'm not going to see any good blue because I didn't pass enough good blue. So I don't think I'm going to end up blue here. Um, at all, I think that divination is a wasted pick. So, so yeah, so I think you're right. I think I do end up black white probably. Um, there's a chance that I open something, but um, uh, you know, I'm looking to pick up black removal. So I'm hoping that I open an eviscerate or a vicious offering or something like that, and then but- kind of carry on my merry way playing mono black.
1: Now, I'm also going to give you an advanced strategy. Now, David, I know that you know this one, but you were relatively easily able to pick up what color I'm playing you like at pack four, you knew I was in red. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're looking at your fourth pick and you can say, my neighbor's in red. There's two things you can do with that information. One of them is what you were discussing, which is staying out. The other thing you can do with that information is get right on in. And the way to do that is to stay monocolor as much as possible. So if you can determine one color, that's definitely open. And Dave was not able to do this in this draft. And I would not have done it in his position either. But let's say instead he'd gone Deathbloom Thalid into Night of Malice into, say, fungal infection. Then he recognizes that his neighbor is cutting off red, and he sees a pack that has a decent white card and a decent black card. Maybe we just take the black one. Because your neighbor is doing such a great job at cutting red, you know you're going to see red in the next pack. That's why in my position I'm working so hard to cut off that red until Dave passed me the red. So you can cooperate with them and if if they get stuck where Dave did, he kind of has to now. Otherwise he's going to get kind of screwed over in the last pack. But if he's able to stay monocolor, he can reap the benefits of all of that red cutting. So like if you find yourself in that position where you know what your neighbor is cutting, and you're still able to kind of ride that line of a monocolor deck without sacrificing too much playability, as long as the person to your left isn't trying to do the same thing, then you can buck the system and get all the red cards. Now, again, it can backfire as it dominoes down the line because perhaps Susan, who's sitting next to Dave, thinks Dave is in red, but it's not actually Dave that's in red. It's Travis. So, like, there's so many levels you can do in this with Drafting, which is honestly why I like drafting so much. Now, I'm a huge advocate against hate drafting that is seeing a really good card in another color and taking it because I don't want to play against that, right? But what I'm not against is, is what they call this, which is basically letting your neighbor do the cutting for you and then reaping the benefits. If I can possibly do that, I will.
0: Yeah, and the advantage of that is, is you're not wasting picks, pack one, trying to cut that from the person you're passing to right? You're not, you're not trying to set your own signals. So if you end up mono black, you didn't spend any picks on red cards here. You open a good red card. Let's say you open like a a red rare or something like that. Something worth taking, you know, you spend one pick on it. And if you don't end up red, because the other person, now the person on your left is doing the same thing. You're only down one pick. Yeah. And and it's kind of not a big deal. So it's like very little cost to you unless you're passing something like passing up like an eviscerate or something like that in my case. Um, so it's interesting because your opponent, your your neighbor do, does all the work. The person beside you reads all the signals because they haven't seen a single red, single red card. Like, we haven't passed them anything. And you just kind of knock on wood that you end up in that place. But you're in a really good spot because if you get a good black card and a good red card, I mean, you just take the black card, right? And you're just yeah. mono-black. No big deal. You stay open until pack three. Um, but kind of the world's your oyster at that point. And it'll be interesting going into Guilds of Ravnica because I think... I think that might change a little bit because similar to like cons block, which we just saw is there's only five color combinations that are supported in draft as far as the fixing and the gold color cards go. So staying open might be more like I'm staying open to a guild or a three color deck because there's also there's a lot of fixing in in the gates here as well. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that strategy plays out staying quote monocolored or staying quote open in Guilds of Ravnica it might end up being more like it was in Khan's block than it was in, say, M19 or Dominaria.
1: Yeah, and it, it may be a position where, you know, we know Boros is going to be one of those guilds. So if we, f- you know, first picked a strong white card, Orzov is not in this first set, right? Mm-hmm, Correct. It's Selesnia and Boros. Selesnia and Boros. So if you take a white card, you're really like agreeing that I'm going to pair this with green or red in most cases. So if I first pick a white card and then get past a good black card or a good red card, I'm probably going to hedge towards the red one so that I could potentially pair it with the white one I just took. So yeah, we'll we'll do some more primers and some more examples as we get into guilds of Ravnica and talk about that. But I, I just felt like going through this pack would be a good exercise because I, I know there's times on stream where I'll say something like my neighbor's not in this color And people will say, or my neighbor is in this color, you know, make comments like that about what the person who's passing to me is taking. And people will ask, how do you know? And I thought maybe like getting you to a demonstrate that you have that knowledge and then walk us backwards through how you could tell would be useful, especially when it's a blind study.
0: Cause like you had no idea what cards I had picked. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, Those little tricks and tips, like specifically knowing how many cards of each color in a pack on average, for example, is something that maybe not a lot of people know, but once you've opened hundreds and hundreds of draft packs, you know, you kind of start to pick up on those things too. Um, The interesting thing here is about passing as well. So when 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 I'm passing all of these things and I'm getting deep in here and I'm thinking to myself, what have I passed my neighbor? And I said to myself, I haven't passed them any good black cards right? The only good black card I passed them. And by good, I mean, is like something that indicates to my neighbor that, hey, maybe black is open, was really just the fungal infection. So when my opponents, when, you know, when, when I when the person on my right passed me the pack that had a Cabal Paladin and the uh, Vigor, the Demonic Vigor, you know, two black cards, it's like, hey, like there's black cards here, you know, I'm going to pass those on the, down the line, because I know that's not going to tell my neighbor that, that I'm passing to that black is open. Right, neither of those cards... I mean, maybe Cabal Paladin is, is interesting if you're trying to do some uh, historic shenanigans, but cards like that generally come around on the wheel. You can get them late in the draft. Um, so there's no really no real reason to take those here. Um, that's telling my neighbor that, you know, I also got past Black Junk. Like, you know, Black is not open at this point. There's no reason to be passing Black. Where it, where it kind of blows is, let's say in that pack, I got past a pack that had Vicious Offering and Eviscerate and Knight of Malice was still there for some reason. That's a real bad pack for me being in black because now my neighbor looks at that and says, "Whoa, what are all these black cards doing here? This is awesome. And then I have to work extra hard to make sure that I'm cutting that off from them and that their one pick there was an anomaly. Um, But potentially I also have to deal with two people down the line that think black might be open because the next person's going to get a card out of that pack too. So sometimes it's just a matter of how the packs break, but really trying to like, know when you're passing a card that should indicate to your neighbor that a color is open and should indicate that a color is not open. Like I looked at Wizards Retort there and I kind of read that as a signal that said like, yeah, maybe, you know, this might not indicate the blue is open because it might not be an early pick for a lot of blue drafters. You know, I'm kind of passing that along and hoping my neighbor kind of reads that same thing, right? I mean, blue isn't really the color that I'm in here, but you always say that that working like a draft is like working together with your neighbors, mm-hmm. right? So I'm trying to tell my neighbor that like hey, like, you know, these are terrible black cards. Don't take these black cards. You're not going to see any good black cards. Just stay out of that. And it really sucks when I'm forced to pass them good cards um in, in a in a color that I'm drafting. So I kind of hate seeing those packs, you know, where there's two really good black cards left. It's not a huge deal because I know that black is wide open at this point. Um but it also sucks because I'm telling my neighbor that like hey, there's a chance you could be black. Um, and then I, I kind of ho- hopefully hook that away from them um, you know with my next couple of picks. So so it's interesting, you're working together, but you're also you're also trying to make sure that you can beat your opponent's draft decks in a paper draft or in a pod draft as well. So you know you're all trying to get the best decks, but you're also trying to make sure that your opponent, your neighbors don't ruin your deck at the same time.
1: Well, I I think the goal is to cooperate with your neighbors in the draft portion and then play against them in the play portion. But you, you hit on something there that I wanted to mention. Imagine you get passed or open a pack that has Night of Malice, uh, Eviscerate, and Vicious Offering. And I've I've seen a print run similar to that. Now, there's some people who would argue that you should take a card that's not black in order to like let other people down the line fight over that. And if there's something close on power level, generally speaking, I agree with them, right? Or if there's something better, like say Multani's the rare, go ahead and slam Multani and don't worry about it. And then kind of know that there's people fighting for black down the line. If we've got something like uh, Blessed Light, for example, I think that's close enough to eviscerate and relatively easy to splash that I might just take it over those cards But if the competition is something like a solid common, but not necessarily a a very good one, like let's say a Sap Herd or maybe the Mana Warlock, um, Academy Journey Mage, I think is what that's called. The 3-2 that bounces something wizard. I can't remember the name. I just called it Mana Warlock for so long. Like I'm not taking those cards, even though they're solid playables over the black one. At that point, I'll take it and say, okay, if black has opened this pack, I get to play this very strong removal spell or because I'm probably taking the eviscerate, right? So I, I definitely get to play this and I may get cut off from it pack two, but I don't care. And if black isn't open, well, I'll either just splash
0: it or let it go. Right. Yeah, exactly. And one of the other things that I'm going, when I'm going through a trap, a draft kind of fits into that as well, is it's like, what do I think I'm going to get in pack two? And, and what, how does that change my draft now? So for example, if I pass good black cards in in that specific example, and then I, and then I take a lot of good black cards going forward, but maybe I, I pass a couple of medium black cards like a dark bargain or something like that, I might think that my neighbor or the neighbor to their neighbor is going to be black in pack two, which means I might see thin packs in, in black in pack two. So what that means is then I'm looking for a second color. I'm going into pack two thinking that that is I'm going to pick up my secondary color in that pack so either I'm staying open in black and not really speculating on what my other color is or maybe I think that I'm black white for sure I'm going to be looking to prioritize white in that second pack and then hopefully get black in the third pack right so I'm kind of of, like not hedging my bets but I'm kind of starting to like roadmap the rest of my draft around what I think could happen if my opponents play the way that I'm passing them cards, right? Or maybe I just do a really good job of cut black entirely in pack one, and they pick one or two cards, and then that's all that they get, and they get out of the way in the next pack, right? But I'm always kind of, like, knowing where I'm at. Like, I think, like, oh, you know, it really feels like I'm going to get cut off in white in pack two, so I'm going to hope to get white in pack three if I'm going to play white overall, which really then helps me decide what cards to take at the end of pack one am I going to like stay on the white train and take kind of these mediocre white commons at the, at the end of the pack, or am I going to take a couple of extra playables and other colors so that if I end up getting cut on white entirely, you know, I'm not left holding the bag of like four, four commons that I have to replace, right? I'm going to maybe only have to replace one or two cards in pack two or pack three. So I'm always kind of thinking ahead and, and trying to interpret the signals for my neighbors, And like if they're playing the way that I think that they should be playing or drafting the way that I think that they should be drafting, um, how does that impact be in in future packs? And just having that roadmap has been really helpful for me. It's not something that I do like explicitly. I'm not writing it down. I'm not doing that. I'm just making all these mental notes as I'm going through and building this kind of catalog of knowledge about the draft as I go.
1: Yeah, and I, I think it's important to break it down like that so that people who haven't developed that skill yet can begin to do it and understand it. Uh, again, this used to be crucial for magic drafting. If you didn't do it, you would have a deck that simply didn't have enough playable cards. However, modern sets have made it where there's kind of not unplayable cards We talked about that intensely in the episode when medium cards go bad. It's kind of how they're all just medium cards now. You can still get a playable deck, and I think overall that's a good thing for Limited Magic. It makes it far more approachable so that, you know, Steve, who's never drafted before, can come in, open a good black rare, and then just grab random black and green cards and have a deck that he can play that's at least going to allow him to play a game. Now, it's obviously not going to be as good as one that, you know... Susan, who's been drafting for 10 years and sitting next to him, is drafted. She's probably going to have a better deck, but he gets to play, right? So I, I think that payoff is there. But if you learn to read these things, it increases the quality of your deck over time, and it will get
0: you more wins. Absolutely. Well, that was a fun exercise.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of surprised it hadn't occurred to us to do this before, especially as we've been talking about signaling before, but I'm glad I took the time to lay the packs out and, and we did that chat, and I'm also really happy that it worked, because I was kind of scared, like, I know you're a good drafter, but I was like, what if Dave doesn't get it? What if he thinks Red's open? But you knew, man,
0: you knew. Yeah, it was it was pretty easy, like, but you're also a good drafter too, right, like, Sometimes you just end up in a draft you can't read the signals where, you know, your neighbor's all over the map, right? So it really depends on on the quality of the drafter next to you. And that's something to keep in mind, too, is that let's say you're drafting at Friday Night Magic and you're drafting with a bunch of people that don't draft all that often, right? Like they draft once a month, once every couple of months. You know, sometimes these strategies just go out the window. And reading your opponents before you sit down to draft at a pod it can also be an important skill, right? Like if everybody's brand new and you're the shark at the table, throw signaling out the windows because your neighbors are just going to take cards that are the flashiest, or they're going to force a color, and it might be really hard to read, and you might just have to play very straightforward, you know, look very specifically at the cards that you get. But if, you're, if everybody's a shark at the table, and there's, like, you're drafting cons, and people can go five-color shenanigans, and there's all those other stuff going on, like, sometimes you just have to pick a lane and go, and if it's open, it's open. If it's not, well, you end up with a bad deck, right? Like online we have it easy because you just kind of assume that everybody's the same skill level as you online but definitely in paper you know it, it can be a wildly different draft experience which is interesting to me because it's accessible and approachable for everyone hopefully and uh, all these people have to learn too so
1: I, I can tell you from experience that skill level varies wildly online as well I, I don't think the lows are as low uh, and I think the highs are a little bit higher so I, I think if if paper at Fm, ranges from a scale of one to seven in skill. Cause I, I think once you get to that point, you're like, you know, I'm probably going to play at GPs or, or come here for the social aspects. Like when I go play at a pre-release, which I don't always do, I'm not going to crush noobs. I'm going to have a good time and hang out. But I, I think if M goes from one to seven, then maybe arena goes from three to eight and maybe Magic Online goes from 5 to 10, just on average, I would say. But there's still varying levels within all of those. Like, you could have the Pro Tour champion who's just happens to be drafting at M with his buddies. And you could certainly have somebody who's just firing up Magic Online for the first time and doesn't know what they're doing. Like, all of these are possibilities.
0: Agreed. Well, thank you for that exercise. Yes, sir. I think that's a pretty good episode. Actually, we're going to wrap it up right there. That's like pretty much right on the hour mark. Good job. Yeah, it's almost like we know what we're doing now. It's almost like 84, well, 84 minus 13 episodes in. We know what we're doing now. Yeah, we got them fooled. All right. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Uh, thanks again to face Face Games for the host and the support. If you want to support us uh, and you want to do more than just listen to the podcast, which we appreciate, of course, uh, you can check us out on our Patreon. You can become a patron at patreon.com slash moto. Travis, where can they catch you streaming this week?
1: You can catch me this week streaming some Cube on Magic Online as well as some Rivals of Ixalan on Arena at twitch.tv slash I'm also on Twitter under the same name. It's just at Simulin. S-E-M-U-L-I-N.
0: And I'm at twitch.tv slash dcivilian. That's D-S-A-V-I-L-L-I-A-N. And Twitter the same. You can also catch us on men for moto we are at men for moto on twitter be sure to catch us next week we have a very special episode and we'll be releasing it a couple of days early so look forward to that thanks again for listening we'll catch you next time adios